You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. But I invite you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. That's where we'll be for a while. That's our main text. We'll have a few supporting texts up on the screen. Genesis chapter 1. And if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take uh, the one in the seat in front of you as our gift to you. My father's in a nursing home in Aurelia, and um, I'm his primary caregiver, so I get the news, the weekly newsletter. And uh, this week, uh, they had a little thing at the bottom talking about scams, that uh, some of the residents at the nursing home have been scammed out of money. Uh, maybe you've heard of these things. Now, people are phoning up and pretending to be uh, their family and telling them that they need money uh, very quickly and that it's a gag order, and so they can't talk about the specifics. Uh, And so the seniors send them money. And, you know, it's pretty horrifying. It's pretty sad that people do this uh, to seniors. So I looked into it a little bit more. How often does this sort of thing happen? And it was interesting to find out that last year, in 2022, uh, Canadians were scammed out of, uh, that we know of, $530 million. That's a 40% increase from 2021, which was... 380 million. In fact, the last dozen years, uh, Canadians are scammed out of more and more and more money every year. And the anti Canadian Anti Fraud Center estimates they only know of five to ten percent of the scams that go on. Today, I want to talk to you about a, a, some deception, a, a scam, you could call it, uh, that's even more important than people losing money. Today I want to talk to you about uh, this deception that's going on that is uh, destroying lives, ripping apart families, and it it all uh, starts around the identity of a person. Uh, That's where the deception is starting. Before I go on, uh, let's pray. God, I thank you that we have your truth. God, we live in a time that's very confusing, very challenging time to live in as a Christian. It can be very scary for us, Lord. We don't want people not to like us. We don't want to be looked at as hateful people. We don't want to be hateful people. In fact, we want to be loving people, people that speak truth in love, uh, that embrace people where they are and then point them to the Savior. None of us are above anyone. None of us are above anyone out there. We're all sinners. God, would you help us to see maybe today where some of our minds are being deceived? Uh, Help us to see in our identity and our purpose in life uh, how you've laid it out and how the culture might be poisoning our minds. Help me, a simple man, to talk about this very uh, complex and hard subject. In Jesus' name, Amen. Human identity and purpose in life. Now, this is the war that's being waged in our culture. It's been waged for quite a while. We just didn't see it happening. Sixty years ago, it was being waged in university classrooms. Um, 
20 years ago, it was being waged in the high schools. Now identity and purpose is being defined in daycare centers and kindergarten rooms. I was looking for a, a text that kind of talked about the society and the time that we live in. And Isaiah 59 verse 13 kind of sparked some realities that I see happening. Uh, it says, uh, the, the people that were, Isaiah's talking about the people, they were rebelling and denying the Lord, turning away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, convincing and uttering lies from the heart. That was 50, 60 years ago. So justice is turned away and the righteousness stands at a distance. For truth has stumbled in the public square and honesty cannot enter. Now that's uh, 10 years ago. Truth is missing and whoever turns from evil becomes prey. That's now. Truth is missing. And if you even push against the narrative that's uh, being told, you become the enemy. Social media, the news will hunt you down, will tar and feather you, will make an example of you. How dare you question what we say is the truth? And as I talk to different Christians of different walks, uh, people are in shock. Even I'm in shock at the, just how fast things have turned it seemed like 10 years ago, 2013, remember that time? We could at least have conversations. We could have debates, friendly debates. We could agree to disagree. But it seems like all of a sudden, you can't disagree with what is being told. It's like all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, just turned. And even amongst churches, we see a majority of them, a lot of them, are capitulating to the culture. They're saying, uh, we just want to get along with you, so we'll, we'll adapt whatever you say is truth, and, and we'll mix it together with our version of truth. They're taking down the flag of Jesus and hanging up whatever other flag they want to. And really, the question that we have to wrestle with as Christians is, do we believe that God knows what is best, or do we believe that man Humans know what is best. That is the great argument. We must decide. You can't have it one way. You can't have it both ways. It must be one or the other. So it starts back at our identity. So let's just look at how, we, how our identity is attacked. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God has some things to say. And then Satan has some things to say. Let's look at what God says about you and I first. Chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness, to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth itself and every creature that crawls upon it. First, just notice a few things. We are created as image bearers. We're, we're different than the animals or any other creation. We bear the image of God. That's, what, that's where we receive our value from. That's why we believe in the sanctity of life, that every human life is important. Why? Because it bears the image of God. We're like God in many ways. Uh, we can mirror his attributes. Uh, 
We can act like him and have dominion over the earth he's created. We can speak and communicate as God can. Uh, We can live eternally, or we do live eternally as God does. We can love like God. We are different from the animals. We can create art and, and literature and stories like God created the earth. We are different. We are set apart. We are not gods, but we are different from all created. We bear the image of God. Then verse 27 says, we were created specific. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Jesus affirms this in Matthew 19, verse 4. Have you not read that from the beginning God created them male and female? God was very specific in the way he made us. So one of two options God had chose for you. Either he would make you a man or he'd make you a woman. When I was in art class, which was a disaster, we were doing, um, I can't quite remember what grade it is. I believe my mom still has a sculpture. Um, we, were, we were making, um, uh, using pot- making pottery, sort of not pottery, making statues, thingies, I'm mind blanking. And then we're putting them in kilns. You know what I'm talking about. And, and so I had just seen a movie called Platoon, and so I wanted to make a soldier kneeling down, uh, reaching up to the helicopter. And, <clears throat> and so I made this thing, and I thought it was pretty good. I was sculpting it and made his knees and uh, made his hands outstretched and, and then put it in the kiln and then painted it. And, and so... I can remember each of us had to sit with the teacher and go over it. And, and so the teacher uh, looked at my statue and said, so what is it? Is it a tree? And I, I thought it was pretty clear. It was a soldier with his hands up in the air. But obviously, I didn't make it well enough. But that's not the way God creates. God is not like us. When he made you, He showed you to the angels, and the angels didn't say, what is it? The angels said, wow, that's a wonderful man or a wonderful woman. God made us well. He made us specific. And I think one of the the factors to the great epidemic of depression and sadness we see amongst so many young people nowadays is they don't know who they are. They think they're an accident. They don't think, if they were even created, that they were created right. God made us specific. God made us with intention, and we have to know that. That's where our identity comes from. But he didn't just make us and throw us down on the earth and and say, oh, make it up as you go. No, he gave us specific roles to live out as humans. Verse 28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that crawls on the earth. Man and woman had a specific purpose, to have dominion, to be fruitful, to multiply. God said he blessed it. He said it's good. And each man and woman ever made from all time to now, each one of you, whether you're single or married, whether you're younger or older, you have a role to play in God's great story. Sometimes we don't like that role. I think a lot of people don't like the role that they've been given. Maybe they don't know the role, but they don't like it. 
When I was a, a kid, again, I, I remember we doing one of those class plays. Remember when you, you did class plays and, and they divide up the parts and <clears throat> I wanted to be the king, king with the big sword. But I got tasked as the jester. That probably suited me better, but I didn't like it. I wanted to be the king. And so because I was the jester, I, I wasn't very happy about it. And so I didn't play the part very well. I was distracted. I was angry. I was upset. And I think a lot of people are, are distracted and angry. They don't know who they are. They don't like who they are. They don't feel that they have an important purpose, and so they're not playing it. They're not living it out very well. That's a lot of Christians. As men and women, uh, we're distracted from who God says we are and what our roles to play in this world are, and we're trying to be somebody that we were never created to be. I again present to you that so many people in our society are sad because they have no purpose. They don't know their role in life. And they're trying to figure out how to live this life with, with no clear direction because they've been told they're an evolutionary accident, because they've been told that there is no God. They're just trying to make it up as they go. Any of you like doing puzzles? Who likes puzzles? It's okay. There we go. There's some people. It's not a shameful thing to like puzzles. My wife and I, we did a puzzle uh, this past winter. Well, when we say we did, I probably did five pieces and she did 995 of the pieces. <clears throat> it was a thousand pieces. It was quite difficult, but she meticulously worked with it. But you know what she needed in order to complete that puzzle? She needed the cover. She needed to see what she was creating, right? Imagine trying to, to, to put together a 5,000-piece puzzle without the picture of what it's to look like. It'd be pretty hard. It'd be almost impossible, right? But imagine trying to put together a 5,000-piece puzzle with the wrong picture in front of you. That's even harder. That's what culture is presenting to people, the wrong picture of what their life is to be like and who they are. That's why so many Canadians... Seems so confused because they don't know their identity and they don't know their specific purpose as men and women. I noticed when I was reading this, the first five days of creation, God said it was good. But then look at verse 31 of chapter 1. After he made the humans, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Very good. God said that we, men and women, Adam and Eve, were very good. He liked the way he had created them. Maybe they didn't look uh, the way that, that we would say they should look, but he liked them. And, and, and our identity can't come from what culture says we are to look like. It comes from what God says we are to look like and how he made us. And when he says very good, he means it doesn't need to be altered. It doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be messed with. He's the creator, and he created us. He created us with a role to play. But there is a deceiver. There always has been. He, he lurks in the shadows. He's very quiet. He slowly deceives people and changes their mind. He slowly gets into the education system. He slowly gets into the government and deceiving. That's what he's done from the start. God says, I know what's best for you. Satan knows what's worst for you, and his desire is to deceive you into thinking what is worst for you, 
is actually best for you. Look at chapter 3, verse 1 of Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? From any tree in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan, the deceiver, is always presenting an alternative path, uh, an opposite way to go. And the deception is always the same tactic. He just wraps it up in a different package and presents it to each generation a little bit differently. And it always starts out like this. Did God really say? Did God really say? If God says something is red, Satan will come along and say, did God really say it's red? Actually, what he meant to say is it's blue. We can see it in our culture. You know, let's go back, say, roughly 80 years ago, uh, around the time of World War II ending. And the question started to be asked more and more. Did God really say this or that? All, all the established truths, the, the, the truths in which uh, Canadians had lived by for many generations started to be questioned. Did God really say this about sex? Did God really say this about uh, drugs? Did God really say this about marriage? And then he, he offered an opposite solution. And he says, if you just do the opposite of what God says, you'll be happier. And people started to say, well, did God really say that? And maybe if I did these things, I would, in fact, be happier. You ever seen the movie The Lion King? Anyone ever seen it? It's a good, it's a good movie. In the movie The Lion King, there's King Mufasa. He plays a kind of Jesus-like king. He's the lion, uh, and he, he looks over his land, and he protects it, and he has a, created an order that everything must be established in. And then there's Scar. That's his brother. He's the deceiver. He plays a Satan-like character. And so when Mufasa is in charge, the kingdom is plentiful. There is there's always something for everyone. Everyone's needs are met. But Scar is always in the backgrounds trying to deceive. And he eventually convinces Mufasa's son uh, to go out into the badlands, not to listen to his father, that in fact his, his father just doesn't want him to have fun and know all the great things that are out there. Eventually, uh, the son is forced into a horrible situation and Mufasa the king has to sacrifice himself to save his son. And then the land falls under the authority of Scar and it deteriorates into a sort of desolate, bleak landscape where the strong kill the weak and there's always need and want. All because the boy listened to a lie. Does this bear any resemblance to what we see going on around us? They say, why are things going the way they are? Why does it seem to be speeding up? Why does there seem to be so much want in the land? Well, 
A lot of it started when we listened to the lies of the deceiver. When we started to say, did God really say that I couldn't do that? Did God really say that he created us this way? I hear stories about what it was like to live 50 years ago. That, that your kids could go out and play. Even me growing up in the 80s, I could go out, I could bike ride blocks away and play out front. I didn't have to worry about somebody nabbing me. When I went to school, I didn't have to worry about somebody coming in and shooting up the school. I didn't uh, have to worry about the, the uh, addiction epidemic that we see going on. Like we, we, can, we can look back and see where we started to question the way that God says to live, and we can see the trend. It's, it's not hard to see if we'll just open our eyes and see it. Satan is always getting us to question, and maybe he's gotten you to question some things in your life. Maybe they're not big things, but maybe they're small things in your mind. But yet, you know, God says, this is the way you are to live, but he has you questioning, well, it's okay in this way. God really doesn't mind this little way. But that's us listening to the deceiver's mind. Did God really say, I can't berate people with my voice? Did God really say I can't get drunk on the weekend? Did God really say I can't worship my money? Did God really say marriage is between a man and a woman? Those are the questions being asked, and and then we are presented with the facts, and we have to wrestle with, is this true or not? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11, God lays it out. Paul says, can we get that uh, up there? Thanks. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 11. Don't you know that unrighteous that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. There's that word again. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you used to be like this, and you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So a few things to notice here when you're reading Scripture. Notice that this is clear. People will try and say to you, well, the Bible isn't clear on certain subjects. This is pretty clear. We don't really need to question what Paul is saying, what God is saying through Paul. It's clear. Second thing, it's equal. Do you notice that uh, God puts verbally abusive people at the same as drunkards and homosexuals? Do you notice that it's equal? We often tend to elevate certain sins over others, and we justify our sins to say, well, that's not as bad as that. But do you notice they're all on the same wavelength? It's important. You notice that it's hopeful? That Paul, even though he lays out a very stark and unpopular message in our day, he creates some hope. Verse 11, for some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Some of them used to be verbally abusive people. Some of them used to be drunkards. Some of them used to be homosexuals. Now they've come to faith in Jesus Christ. They're being sanctified, changed from the inside out. 
And they are changing into the image of Jesus Christ. They are no longer that. The Holy Spirit lives in them. It's clear the sins are equal, but there's always hope. And our society wants to tell us that we're born a certain way. We were all born and sin corrupted us. We were all tempted to things, different things. We all, we're, we're, some of us are tempted to be, get drunk on the weekend. Some of us are, are tempted to, to be verbally abusive. Some of us are tempted to be greedy. But we're all tempted. But we can all overcome those temptations through the Lord Jesus Christ. Would it be uh, suitable for me to just simply say, I can't help myself? Uh, to come home to my wife and say, I'm sorry, dear, I just can't help myself. I had to sleep around. It's just the way I was born. Would that be suitable? Would it be suitable for me to, to yell at you and scream at you and, and smack you and just say, well, I'm sorry, that's just the way I was? No, for most things we know that it's not suitable to just make that excuse. But our culture says for certain things you can. But again, we're being tempted by the lies of Satan. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, this about Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks it out of his own nature, for he was a liar and the father of lies. Satan is always working in the background, offering, offering an opposite to what God says is good. And again, I put the question to you, will you believe that what God says is good is good, or will you start to be deceived by the lies? Satan comes along, you remember this toy? You remember this when you're a kid or you had kids, right? And you got to fit uh, the proper thing in the proper hole. Well... It's obvious that this is to go here, but Satan will tell you that actually, in fact, it's to go here. You ever see when your kids are trying to force it into the hole, and it doesn't go into the hole? But Satan will tell you, no, 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 if you push hard enough, you'll be able to get this cross into the round hole. That's, that's his tactics. And eventually, he deceives people into thinking it's true. Sometimes it's through culture and media. You can't trust everything you hear on the news nowadays. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, John says this, We know that we are from God and that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. The culture, the media, much of it lies under the power of Satan. And he is working it in for, so that we can be deceived. Some of it comes through false prophets, pastors, ministers, who say they stand for God, but... They're actually not. They stand for Satan. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 says, For such men are false prophets, deceptive workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Sometimes smooth-talking men and women can almost convince you that God says this is good because we just shift around a few of the words and put it into a different context, and, and all of a sudden... You think it's true, but it's not. And in the end, we end up a very confused, very sad people. If you skim through the news headlines, you'll see the, 
the craziness that seems to be going on around us. And I, and I read these to you not to laugh, but to grieve about our society. This is a headline. 37-year-old Brazilian woman who married her rag doll claims she's pregnant with its second child. This is an actual person. We are confused people. Former swimsuit model Elizabeth at 49 went on live TV in the UK and wed her six-year-old golden retriever, Logan. We are a confused people. The vice chair of Renford County District School Board in Ontario told LifeSite News that the rumors of children identifying as animals in some district schools are true. I have firsthand knowledge that there are students identifying as animals. See, when we're deceived by the craftiness of Satan, we are a confused society. God has established a right order. When I say right order, it means he's laid out clearly some things and ways that we are to live. It's his right order. If we live this way, the world will most likely be a much, much better place. And we have to believe it. Either it's true or it's not. And so, so God has made men and women, and I'll forget, forgive my circles. Uh, I never learned how to make a circle. These are more like eggs. Um, <clears throat> but God made us men and women, right? And, and here's the confusing thing. You may know who you are. You may know you're a man or woman. But where a lot of Christians are confused is in what is your roles as men and women. There are some roles that we as men and women have that overlap, that are the same. We are all called to be followers of Jesus Christ. Those are the same roles we have as men, as women, as men and women. We are all called to be a part of the body of Christ, a useful part of the church of Jesus Christ. That's, again, one we both have. It overlaps. We're all called to be uh, useful parts of a society, contributing being a benefit to the society, living in peace with people as much as we can. But see, where society or where the lies of Satan over time has come in is he starts to blur the lines. He starts to push them together. Maybe this is where some of you are. Starts to push them together and where he says, there's really no difference between men and women. And, and God has no defined roles for you. It's pretty much the same. You can wrap it up together and, and it's all the same. And that's why there's so much confusion in so many Christian homes. We forgot there are defined differences and defined roles for you as men and women. And I find so many um, men and women are, are disgruntled in their current places in life. They got married to this person. And they're like, I thought it was going to be easy. And they, they, some men are acting like the women and some women are acting like the men. They had children, and, and they realized early on into this, this is hard. Raising kids is hard work, and they're not happy being mothers, and they're not happy being fathers. They want to be single again, or they want what the husband has, or they want the life that the, the wife has, right? I think a lot of us are deceived by Satan, but our clear roles as men and women and what they are. And, and so we're like me as the jester. We don't like our role in life. But God says you'll never be happy, you'll never be satisfied until you embrace my God-given role for you. So if you're a single female, that's God's place for you right now. And he says you can find joy in that 
If you're a married man, God says your role is to serve your wife, to sacrifice for her, to pour yourself out for her, to put her needs before you. And if you embrace that, you can find satisfaction and contentment in your life. If you're a, a woman with children, God says, uh, God has allowed you to have those children. So he says, your contentment won't be found out there in, in trying to fill your life with other things and ignoring the challenges of your kids. No, by embracing your motherhood, you will find joy in that if you embrace it with all you have. Or we can question God, and, or we can be confused but let us take this warning from Paul very seriously in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I think this speaks well of our culture. For I am afraid, however, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be led astray from your simple and pure devotion in Christ. He's got the same tactics as he did with Eve. Did God really say you need to submit to your husband? Ladies, this is 2023. And unless your husband is Jesus, you don't really need to listen to him. Did God really say, men, that you have to pour out yourself for this ungrateful woman that's never satisfied with anything you bring? He gets you to question those things. And that was, that's what Paul was worried about. And that's what Christ is worried about for us. So do you believe that God's way is best. That's what you have to come to grips with. You can't live half of life with the wisdom of Scripture and then half of life with the lies of the world. That's like drinking a, a glass that's half filled with purified water and half with poison. The poison will corrupt what is purified. You must fill your life with God's purified word, believe it, embrace it as truth, and bring your life under its authority. Only then will you be able to find the joy and contentment that God desires for you in your lives. I'll close with this story. While walking through the forest one day, a man found a young eagle who had fallen out of the nest. He took it home and put it in his barnyard where, he soon, where it soon learned to eat and behave like the chickens. One day, a naturalist passed by the farm and asked, why is it, was it that the king of all birds should be confined to live in a barnyard with chickens? The farmer replied that since he had given it chicken feed and trained it to be a chicken, it never learned to fly. Since now it behaves like a chicken, it no longer needs to behave, no longer is an eagle. Still, it has the heart of an eagle, said the naturalist. And it can surely be taught to fly. He lifted up the eagle towards the sky and said, You belong in the sky, not on the earth. Stretch forth your wings and fly. The eagle, however, was confused. He did not know who he was to be. And seeing the chickens eating their chicken food, he jumped down to be with them once again. The naturalist took the bird to the roof of the house and urged him again, saying, You're an eagle. Stretch forth your wings and fly. But the eagle was afraid of his unknown self in the world and jumped down once more for the chicken food. Finally, the naturalist took the eagle out of the barnyard to a high mountain where he held the king of the birds high above him and encouraged him once again, saying, You are an eagle. You belong in the sky. Stretch forth your wings and fly. The eagle looked around, 
back towards the barnyard and up at the sky. Then the naturalist lifted him straight towards the sun, and it so happened that the eagle began to tremble. Slowly, he stretched out his wings and in a triumphant cry, soared away into the heavens. Christians, we were meant to be so much more than the world says we are. You were meant to live with a purpose, to complete great things for your Lord. As men and women, God created you to be. He puts you in this life for a purpose. You have to believe it. We have to stop eating the food of the culture. We'll become like the culture if we eat it. We have to eat the food of the Lord. And that is this book. And you have to believe that this is true. And you have to base your life off of this. And then you will become who you meant, were meant to be. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the truth. It's the truth that set me free, Lord, when I didn't know how to be a man at 27. And then I have the first understanding of who I was supposed to be. But slowly you've been teaching me and putting me together. I pray for you, the men and women in here. Lord, many of them are struggling with their lives, who they are, what their current circumstances of their lives are. I pray that they would embrace who you've made them to be, men and women, created by you for a purpose, called to be saved from the sins of this world, to be sanctified, to be washed clean, and to be sent out and soar this world for you. Help us, Lord. Help us to reach out to those uh, who hate us. Help us to show genuine care and love. We are no better than any of them. We're all on the same level. We all need a Savior. Thank you for these people. Bless us as we do our fire drill. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.